0: Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Good morning, Northridge. How are you? Good. Hey, happy Father's Day. If you're a dad here... We just want to say thank you for championing your family to be closer to Christ. We want to thank you for being here and leading your family to the throne room of God. And we're just so thankful as a local church we can come alongside you and uh, help in that process. Well, my name is Colby. I'm so excited to share a piece of my story today with you as well as from God's Word. And uh, I serve as a student pastor here at Northridge. In case you didn't know that, my wife Savannah and I moved here as of two weeks ago. Uh, from the state of Arizona. We joined the team, and uh, now we're so excited to be a part of Northridge and call Milledgeville home. So this is a great church, and uh, yeah, (laughs) thankful for that. We believe God is doing a great work here at NCC, and we are honored to lead the next generation together. So hopefully it'll be a long time coming. And uh, at this point, you're probably wondering, of all the places... What brings us from out west? What brings us from the state of Arizona? Well, uh, I grew up in the south. Just Well, I guess me and my wife Savannah both grew up in the south. I grew up a few hours from here. Savannah is from the great state of Alabama. And uh, to make a long story short, I graduated from Point University a few years ago. And then right after that, I had the opportunity to move towards Phoenix in order to pursue more education. That was a really exciting time. And during that same time, to make a long story short, I was in Arizona, Savannah was in Alabama, six months into that, we got engaged, six months later we got married, and then immediately after we got married, we started serving at a church in northern Arizona, leading in their student ministry. We served there for two years, and uh, we've also been married for the same amount of time, coming up on this Tuesday, the 22nd, praise God for that, and uh, yeah, I want you to get to know me a little bit better this morning. And While we were out there, it was one of the greatest experiences that we could have asked for beginning in full-time ministry. And here's what I mean. In case you aren't familiar with the state of Arizona, maybe you've never been before, but it's really hot. There's a lot of cacti plants there. There's a deserted landscape. And once again, there's scorching heat. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. The whole state is on fire as we speak. But there's something there known as the Grand Canyon. Do we have anybody here in the building who's been to the Grand Canyon before? Should have an image to show you in case you haven't been, but uh, here's what it looks like. Savannah and I went many times as we were in Arizona. And you know what? We never saw the faces of the dead presidents. (laughs) Come on, Northridge, you got to work with me a little bit (laughs) this morning. Okay, now you got it. Now you got it. We never saw Mount Rushmore. Okay. You know, as we were living in Arizona, we explored the Grand Canyon many times, but if if I can describe to you what being at the Grand Canyon is like, it's like knowing you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. There's a word I like to use to describe that uh, as we reflect on our time out west and now here, I like to describe it as we were enlarged. God enlarged us. He allowed for us to be a part of something that was bigger than us. The vastness of God's creation as you look at the Grand Canyon, uh, it laid just an amazing reverence before us. It deepened our worship and it even deepened our understanding of who God really is. Simply put, if God can do that to a collection of rocks in the middle of nowhere, can you imagine today what God can do in your life? God can work miraculously in you. And my hopes for today in this message are for us to realize and better understand the vastness and the enlargement of the kingdom of God, the promises of the Bible, and the way of Jesus. Because faith in him can give us a brand new way to be human. And we're going to further explore that this morning. So we're in a series called Getting Right. We're getting right with God. And uh, this week's 452 passage, in case you've already read that, is... uh, From the Old Testament comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. And we're going to read that together quickly. So Jeremiah 31 says, Way before Jesus, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them, To the greatest, declares the Lord. This is great right here. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen to that. You see, Jeremiah holds major influence throughout the Old Testament. He's a big Old Testament prophet who spoke on behalf of God during a time where the nation was experiencing vast turmoil. And maybe this sounds familiar. Um... They faced exhaustion. Israel faced uncertainty of the future. And even so much, they were fearful of the world that their children might grow up in. In other words, the people of Israel were at the end of their rope, as I like to describe it. You know, Jeremiah, if you've ever read any of his scriptures, the weeping prophet because of the lack of his hopefulness throughout this book. What we just read is actually the brightest point If you read anything else in Jeremiah, you're probably going to be saddened or depressed. So this passage is the singular silver lining that points us towards our goal for today, and it's to better understand what it means when Jeremiah says that we can be a part of this thing that God calls a new covenant. Because you see, I like to think of it in this term. The new covenant enlarges our view of God. It helps us better understand who he really is, and especially as we encounter his scripture in ways that are far greater than the massive rock formations of the Grand Canyon. See, the Bible, if you've ever encountered it before, you you know it as the primary source of inspiration. It's divided by Old Testament and New Testament, otherwise known as covenants, which describe Israel's relationship towards God. It's told to us initially by those who are doing the law, And then it's told to us by those who live in what's already been done for them by God's love. But ultimately, it's one large story of hope that we get to be a part of. Here's my sermon in a sentence. Hope happens when the law of God and the love of God collide. And once again, despite how long you've been a believer, how much you know about Jesus... The Bible or the Christian faith, we have probably all asked ourselves at some point, hey, the God I see in the old is a little different from the new. My experience in reading the old, God is full of anger and wrath and vindication. The God of the New Testament is full of love and forgiveness, justice, mercy, kindness. I've asked that question many a times as I've encountered the Holy Scripture. Maybe you have too. If so, You're in good company. See, throughout my experience, when we understand it in this light, differences, it creates a chasm within our faith. It creates a gap for us. Because when we don't put the pieces of the entire story together, old and new, we leave frustrated, we leave complicated, and we leave uh, distraught from our understanding of who God really is. And maybe this will paint a better picture for you, but imagine crossing the Talmadge Bridge as you get in your car and you drive towards Savannah and you're hoping to get towards Hutchinson Island, but suddenly the upright suspension collapses beneath you as you're in your car. Now in that moment, if you were in your car, I I bet it was safe to say that all hope would be gone. That's exactly what it's like when we don't, have faith and understand what Jeremiah is saying here in the New Covenant? The answer is found as we continue. See, the passage we just read together is, once again, the prophet's most important and singular teaching. And today we can realize what it means to have hope as a believer and even a non-believer. And I'm not sure about everybody else or, you know, everybody in the room, but I can never have enough hope when it comes to facing each day. Life is hard, right? I've heard it said before that a person can go 30 days without food. They can go three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but not three seconds without hope. And while that may be hard to quantify, I get that. I think it speaks a lot of truth into our everyday lives. You see, hope can be defined as something that's much more than a collection of good things happening to us. For example, I hope every single year that the Braves will win the World Series. No luck yet. (laughs) Meanwhile, when we define biblical hope, it reminds me it's a steadfast confidence. It's an everyday truth that God keeps his word. This is why what Jeremiah promises us is far greater than the reality that all of us are living in this room as we speak. Regardless of our circumstances today, wherever you come from, whatever your background is, I want you to know that God has promised better days are ahead for us. Consider with me terminally ill patients, maybe victims of war, others who have suffered greatly on behalf of history. What about yourself? What in your own life has held your hope hostage? Think about that. What in your own life has kept you from having hope? You see, when we find ourselves at the end of our rope, Northridge today, I want us to know, can we still find hope? In March of 2018, I went to Europe for a 10-day study abroad in my final year of college, One of the countries we visited was Germany, and by far, it's one of the greatest uh, places I've ever been. It was a beautiful destination. It was uh, an immaculate trip. However, when we think about Germany, we're all aware of the negative impact that this country had during both of the world wars that took place almost 100 years ago. And while we were there in Germany, you're thinking about this this baggage as as you, you go through and you meet people and... It's like, wow, how could something like that happen? And sure enough, we toured a uh, former concentration camp known as Dachau, in a little town in southern Germany. And as we were walking through five acres of of blanketed snow, you could feel the darkness upon the grounds of this former concentration camp. You know, there wasn't much talking. There wasn't any real sound made of the group that we had there. and, And mostly, we were just alone with our thoughts. In fact, the only sign of life that happened when we uh, were there was as we approached the gas chambers. There was a collection of ravens perched on the gate that began calling upon our arrival. And to this day, that sends chills down my spine. Nevertheless, towards the end of our visit, we've, we reached a portion of the tour that I'll never forget. And I believe we have an image to show you of the concentration camp. Uh, path that was taken. It was the main road located in the center of the grounds. It was once taken every day by soldiers, by prisoners, anybody who was affiliated with Dachau. And as I walked this path, I found it so hard to, to look through each tree and on the other side where former barracks were and imagine where any hope at all could stand in this circumstance. And I can only imagine what the prisoners felt as they longed for liberation for over 12 years. Most probably imagined that they'd never make it out. But it was all they had to hope for. And I want you to take a closer look. Each tree along this path was once planted by one of the 200,000 plus prisoners held by Dachau. I like to think of it like this, where hope goes, A tree grows. That's my experience with Dachau. And while there isn't much left standing now, a legacy of hope remains even in the darkest of circumstances. As this road once led to destruction, chaos, liberation from outside forces came sooner rather than later. Why not everybody who experienced Dachau found freedom? There was light at the end of the tunnel. And this picture leads me to a beautiful understanding that there's always, always, always something to be hopeful for, even when the odds are stacked against us. And today, some of us might need liberation of another kind. You see, I want to ask you again, when we find ourselves at the end of our ropes, can we still find hope? What about someone here today who's struggling to make sense of faith What about someone who is on the verge of losing their job, or maybe you're a college student, you are ready to call it quits and drop out entirely, or maybe, just maybe your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Today, there may be a rope hanging near you. So before you leave this place, I want you to know what Jeremiah promises has stood the test of time. And it can rescue us from whatever we might be facing. Once again, here's my sermon in a sentence. Hope happens when the law of God and the love of God collide. I mean, in all of our life's relationships, we want more than just guardrails to keep us on track. We want a a relationship full of depth and knowledge and love and truth, just like we share with a sibling, just like we share with a spouse, or just like we share with a friend. And I want to ask us today, why does our relationship towards God have to come any differently? So for those of you who may be in the room struggling to find hope in a God who appears to be different between the Testaments or the Covenants, I want to read some more scripture with you quickly to bring together this idea and help us all make better sense of it. In Exodus 20 verses 18 through 20, we read this. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid, and they trembled, and they stood far off, and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we'll listen, don't don't let God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. See, what we just read is the aftermath of the delivery of the Ten Commandments, which was the law of the land in Israel for thousands of years. It appears in this moment, if you read this, maybe you're like me, it leaves me a little afraid of what God is capable of. What if I told you that the same scripture we just encountered can bring about the most loving presence the world has ever known the god who once struck fear into the hearts of the ancient israelites is the same god who brings about love in a loveless world in matthew 5:17 jesus says himself don't think that i've come to abolish the law or the prophets meaning moses or jeremiah i've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them once again these words come directly from jesus So what if we took Jesus for his word? Maybe, just maybe, we could find hope today. I want to challenge us to no longer living, no longer continue living in this tension that the God of the Bible is different between the covenants. God has accomplished the law through the person of Jesus, and he's answered our doubts about him in one simple sentence, and even better, one simple act upon the cross. Jesus, best friend John, even goes on to write in John 3, verses 14 through 17. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, today so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Maybe you've heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in the world in order that he might be saved through him. So even if you're at the end of your rope, today you can still find hope. On this Father's Day, we recognize that we have a good father who set the standard for what bringing hope into a hopeless world is all about. We sung about that, we have talked a little bit about it, and we're going to continue to live in that truth as we go forth from this place today. But just as those who, who heard from Jeremiah originally, maybe you're here and you feel discouraged, or like your life has been destroyed by something that's totally out of your control. Perhaps your earthly father hasn't quite been what you'd expect. I want you to know, we stop reading at Jeremiah, we never encounter Jesus. Northridge, as we wrap up this message on the new covenant, we could spend the remainder of 2021 on this topic. It's kept theologians busy for a while. But there's some key takeaways that we can understand as we wrap up today's message. And what I want you to know is one act of love One person, one cross, has made it possible for us to be in God's presence. It's given us the capability to know God intimately and to live like Jesus. Many of us in the room love God's law. We do. But we are all incapable of keeping it. There had to be another way, there had to be love and there had to be sacrifice. And despite whatever's going on in your life, today at 321 Log Cabin Road, Northeast, you can experience the God of the universe, a love unlike any other, and you can find liberation of another kind. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Jeremiah. And Jesus is greater than us. Each week in our student ministry, we have something that we're gonna begin installing known as takeaways, where if you read these truths, if you find yourself amongst them throughout your Monday morning and beyond, you can find growth and hope in your faith. Here's takeaway number one. This week, if you'll understand Jeremiah's promise of the new covenant, it will enlarge your view of God. Secondly, I want you to know that we're called to love God's law but man oh man we're invited to live under God's love lastly if you've been studying Core 52 with us I want you to read this week's essay this chapter chapter 16 and memorize Jeremiah 31 verses 33 and 34 to empower your faith church let's continue to live in this truth today let's continue in worship I'll pray for us and if you've got a decision you need to make I'll be down front as well as some of our uh, our elders and other pastors just want to thank you for being here and happy father's day once again. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're coming to you in this moment in awe of what you bring about. God, we're so thankful that despite who we are, despite our inability to keep the law, that you still love us. And if our marriage is on verge of collapsing, if we're about to make a decision that will turn our life uh, for the worse. God, we ask that you would intervene in this moment. We ask that you would bring about a hope that is unlike any other. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the chance to be a part of this thing you call a new covenant. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue in worship. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at infonorthridge.online.